Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. Today is July 27th, 2021, and the souvenir is available on Amazon Prime, Canopy, and Hoopla. I feel as though I want to not not live my whole life in this very privileged um, part of the world I come from. I want to be really aware about what's going on around me. Sorry, sorry. We can all be sincere, but um, what's it all for? So I'm trying to work out where you two tessellate here. How, what, why, when. Can you lend me a couple of quid? Yeah, sure. Not me. Can I borrow some money? Please. More money? Yes. Oh. You're too nice. You need to properly get aggressive. Don't lie, Anthony. If you don't want to know, I do then want to don't know. ask. Stop torturing yourself. I'm not Stop talking. inviting me to torture you. The Souvenir premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on January 27th, 2019.
A24 acquired distribution rights in the U.S., and it was released into four U.S. theaters on May 17th, 2019. Over the summer of 2019, it expanded its release and grew to 143 theaters three weeks later in June, and then dropped off, leaving theaters in mid-July. Over that nine-week theatrical run in the U.S., it made just over $1 million. Shortly thereafter, it was released in the United Kingdom by Curzon Artificial Eye for a run lasting from August 18th to November 2021, where it made an additional $680,000. So this was only released in the U.S. and the U.K. That was it. Yeah. So very, it, very limited. Yeah, it feels like a small this. release, definitely, when we're watching it. It, it does. And it, it, I remember that it got a lot of attention uh, when it was released lots of awards consideration a lot of talk uh, about this film and that's you know one of the reasons why this one i picked this one uh interestingly enough the sequel is if you stick around to the hmm. end credits you see the souvenir part two coming soon and really? writer director joanna hogg had conceived of this as a two-part story and the the question was whether to shoot them back to back simultaneously or to have some time between them and the uh, second part of this, the souvenir premiered at the Cannes Film Festival uh, this this past summer. So it will be coming out uh, in theaters later this year. So for those of you that are interested in this sequel to the story of the souvenir, you'll be able to catch that in theaters this coming fall. It, 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 quick question. World's most unlikely sequel? Does it get that award? I mean, no, I mean, yes. and I don't, I, actually, I probably shouldn't say most unlikely, but you would never guess that there would be a sequel to this film. This really feels like a one-shot autobiographical life story, right? Yes, I, I think that's the interesting part of, you know, this this concept is, I guess this is the first part of the story. And knowing that this is based on, you know, writer-director Joanna Hogg's you know, her life experiences. So clearly part one is a, you know, a, an arc or a series of events that are, you know, contained in this part of her life. And part two will be the the next part of that story. I don't know how connected it will be to that other than I'm assuming our main character, um, you know, clearly is we've got, you know, family, all of those pieces. But yes, this story seemed to be a, a contained piece within itself. Uh it is not something that you're aching to find out what happens next for this character. It's not a setup like a cliffhanger of, oh my gosh, what happens next? I can't wait to see. It is truly a, a standalone movie right. that I think, you know, works in that. And I, I guess the best way to for me to describe this story is it is really um, a sequence of key moments in a relationship between two people, I think is the best way that I could characterize this because I really struggled to find something else that this is is like uh this is not my type of film so it's not something i thought oh oh it's just like this or that it's it's a dramatic story around a relationship with two people um other than the fact that this is a film student there was not a lot for me to identify with yeah. in terms of the story the era uh it's set in the early 1980s sure i enjoyed some of the music uh, but I, I was not, you know, living in England in the early 80s. I was not a film student. I, sure. you know, didn't couldn't relate to these pieces. Although the setting, you know, the you know the politics of you know you know things going on with Ireland and you know those are all things I'm aware of. So it wasn't like I was disoriented with this film. Right. It was just something that it was challenging for me to connect to, and and particularly the fact that there is not a traditional like overarching like huge, you know, it's not a high concept, big conflict, you know, of like, is she or is she not going to get into film school? Is yeah. she or is she not going to from there's there's none of that. It's really about Julie and Anthony and these moments that they have together. Yeah. And I think I mean, I guess my point about bringing up the sequel piece is that it feels yeah. I mean, it's an art house film. It's it, it's really meant to show the versatility of the medium in terms of how you can produce art through film. I mean, that's, it's almost, it's almost meta to say that when you're talking about a film student being the, your main character. Um, but it, at its core, I think, you know, you're asking what kind of film it is. I think it is a very interesting portrait of addiction. 
And I think that's really key to talk about with it um, because it, 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 it's not explained in the synopses that I've seen. And, uh, you know, I, no. I watched it on Amazon Prime and I used my little Just Watch app to find out where I could find it. And nothing about it leads you to that aspect of the film at all. But that's really, truly what it's about. Um, and, you know, whether th that's why thinking about how this goes into a sequel is really, I would assume, uh, Joanna uh, or uh, taking her story back. Right. And that's, you know, right. she's got this this idea of Julie going through this and, and everything that happens uh, in her life while she's dealing with this massive addiction, uh, not her addiction, but the, her partner with the addiction. I think um, I think it's really interesting to think that um, someone who may have lived this would be interested in making a sequel that doesn't include that at all. This is this movie is going to be about addiction. That movie is going to be about something different. Yes. I, and I'm assuming this is, you know this part of her life and then wh where does she go after that what is how does she live her life after this relationship uh and it, it's, it's interesting uh because i was surprised as you mentioned there's none of the descriptions really get into sort of the key factor of the addiction yeah, i hope it's not a spoiler this, so. i mean we bring it up but you know i don't think it is because i think it's so core to what this film is about so i feel like it's okay to talk about but nothing that you read will prepare you for it so it almost feels a little bit like a spoiler for us to talk about it in this way but i, I couldn't say I, if somebody had told me that i would be watching and go oh geez they just ruined this whole movie <laughs> yeah. though and there's oh, a, there's addiction in, yeah, in there the heroine yeah. of course yes yeah. exactly <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I see high so, people. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing that this is really a, a personal story, you know, semi-autobiographical, semi-autobiographical, and uh, you know, in some of the articles I read, even J Julie's projects, I guess, are inspired by or very similar to Joanna's projects when right. she was a, a film student. So even the uh, the apartment, the main set is a reconstruction oh, really? of her apartment to look just like it wow. and the views out the the views out the windows are actually they filmed in a in a hangar and they had they blew up three 35 millimeter prints of photographs she'd taken from her apartment wow. as a student and projected those outside so those are not actual views of what's really out there that's the view from her apartment wow. as a student in the 80s so really you know, focused on recreating everything. Yeah. And that gets to, to my question of, is this a film that struggles as uh, like the road's not taken? Is this too personal of a narrative that it creates barriers between the filmmaker and the audience that we can't access what's really, what what's, is, is this somebody working through this and we're just, we're observing it, but won't get all of the pieces. Cause there's a lot of things going on right. that I could not, really connect in terms of visual style there's some things that happen throughout that i thought i don't know what that means or what i'm supposed to make of that i don't have any context clues to understand why the first time you know julie picks up uh the little you know first note anthony has left for her there's like the film like it's like gets blown out lens flare or, you know something like that there's other sequences that are shot like in video mm -hmm. that's like really you know blown up and you know the image is breaking down i don't know what to make of that because there's nothing to tell me how to respond to that i'm not given any clues it looks good but for me it just created more of a here's something in between me and the story that i can't access yeah i i mean i definitely felt like that throughout i felt like it was some sort of um like a a, a poem that it, it, that i really just couldn't understand the metaphors um and and a lot of the stuff that's done for art's sake, I I wasn't able to connect to it. So um, I think I felt throughout like I wasn't smart enough for this movie, um, and and that was hard for me to watch. Um, so I think it will be difficult. Um, but that being said, there are some amazing uh, ideas throughout. It, you you have to sit through a lot of interpretive art to suss that out but it uh, but there are some really interesting ideas there and that's why i guess that's why I, I focus on the addiction part because i think if that is something that's interesting to you or that is something that hits home if that is something that maybe you want to watch in a sort of tragic dramatic sort of way this is going to be a very artful way to watch that and that's who i would recommend this for if you want a a portrait of addiction i think this is this is one that's a very artful way to look at that for sure yes and i, th I think the other thing that is worth mentioning is though it's it's a linear story there are chunks it, 
we don't get a strong sense of time of how much right. time has passed. There's not a lot of um, exposition to explain things of, and I, I think that's it's smart writing. We don't have characters having those conversations of that we see often in movies of two characters talking about something that there's no reason for them to talk about this other than the audience needs the information. We don't have that. So the, all that, you know, front loading of information is not there. So what is going on at this point? I don't know. This scene just ended. This one started. Is this the next day? Could this be a week later? It doesn't tell us that because, as I said, it's giving us just the key moments. And that's so you can see the progression of the relationship. I don't want to say which just is, the key moments because it gives you a lot of moments that may are questionable whether they're key or not. But yes, okay, I think okay. I, the point True. that you're trying to make yeah. is that it doesn't yes. spoon feed you the narrative and it allows you to do some work as an audience member to figure yes. out where you're going and where you are in space and time, I think, is a key aspect yes. of that, too. So those those are, I guess, are sort of my warnings to people right. that, you know, this may not be for you if you're expecting like, oh, it's this nice little love story and it's going to I'm going to follow from point, you know, the typical ups and downs of the relationship and things resolve all the No, you're not going to get that. Right. You're going to get addiction. You're going to get chopped up narrative that's not going to, you know, tell you where you are or what just happened prior to that. Um, and it's modern so it, art. It's, it, it's interpretive in a yeah. lot of its ways. It's modern art. Yes. And that has to be something that you're yes. comfortable with to attempt this. Film. Yes, it, exactly. So, yes. So I'd say that's the big uh, dividing point on this one is if you've heard great things about it and it's this, you know, love story. Yes, but no. <laughs> so that's, you know, I, yes. again, I would say, yes, I think you're right on it. If I was in the video store, it would not be in the rom-com section. It wouldn't be in the drama no. section. It would be indie art house right. way over here, yes. art film. Not even in drama. Over there. Yes. Something that's right. an, a, a weird end cap that is, you know, uh, our emo staff member recommends, right? Like that's that's where you'd find this film. And I, I guess a clue to that should be that Tilda Swinton stars in this movie. So that that can sometimes be an indicator. Not necessarily, although she wasn't a Marvel movie, we we do have that. But typically, this is Art House Tilda doing doing her best there as as the mother. Yes. Where did that end up then with your your rankings and your ratings so, for this one? As much as I admire a lot of the risks that are taken here and 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 what's being put on screen, I I think it's it's so choppy and there was so much space. And, and, you know, that's usually not a negative, but for me, it was really hard to watch. It, I, I got, I got very, I got, I got bored in a lot of places. Um, the reveals, the parts where I finally understood where the story was going or, and I don't even want to call it that the story was going there. I finally understood the, the emotion that I was supposed to be feeling in following the story. Those things were all effective, but ultimately I was, I was very bored with the movie. Um, it felt very, um, pedestrian. It felt very slow, very static. Um, and I think that was on purpose. I think it was meant to be yes. flat modern art like we've described. So I only gave it two stars. I, I, I gave it two as opposed to, you know, trashing it all the way because I respect a lot of what was in there. There was some really neat camera work. All of the artistic stuff was there. It's just really not a movie for me. Um, and so it was two stars and a no like. On, on Flickchart, it showed up at 228 out of 262. And interestingly enough, because of how I felt about this movie, it, it felt really... I, I want to say easy to rank. It felt really like straightforward okay, yeah. when it came up against a movie. I could say, oh, mm. I disliked that movie and it wasn't special. So it was easy to go below that. Or I this movie wasn't special, but I, I kind of saw things. So it, yeah, at 228, it's just below The Dark Tower, which I think is is not a good movie. But um, but I, <laughs> I, re I respect the story. And above Breaking News in Yuba County, which we did for um, film, <laughs> film Board recently. And I just thought it was yeah. that was. A, a really, really terrible movie. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it's right there. 228 out of uh, 262 for me and two stars. How about you? Well, for me, it ended up a little bit higher. Okay. And it's something that I agree. There were moments watching it where I thought, okay, where is this going? How long is this going to last? Where, what's going on? But once it, it really found its footing, I think, midway through, as we really get into the, addic the addiction storyline, because uh, a lot of it is just setting up some pieces. Once things get there, things seem to really ramp up. And for me, the ending worked really, really well. There was something very powerful in the ending of this film that sort of re, I want to say recontextualized everything, but it, it gave me a sense of this is why this story was told. Or this is, this is what this means for Julie, because it, we see her there, you know, shooting her, her film and just the way everything worked together. Um, it, it 
resolved things nicely for me. It, it wasn't just, oh, and the story ends there. It tied up some of the pieces and I can, I can get more into that later on. So it, for me, that put it up at three and a half stars and the like, and because of the artfulness of that, that will always, you know, that will always get me in, you know, if it's, if it's striving for something different, I can respect that. Uh, it ended up just slightly above my halfway point on flick chart at 327 out of 759. Um, so it's, it's in a mix of other films that I mildly enjoyed and appreciate the artfulness of them, but I don't really love them and I'm not likely to watch them or say, yeah, this is just, you know, not strongly recommending, you know, if, you if I, I get a sense of this is your time to think, I might say, have you thought, have you seen this? But it's not going to be a blind recommendation to anybody of like, Hey, you really need to check this out because yeah. it's not for everybody. And that just sort of put that, you know, in that middle zone of a whole mess of strange things that just flutter around in there. Uh, it is right below picnic at hanging rock. Hmm. Peter Weir's film from 1975 about some girls at a girl's school that go out on a, picnic and all kinds of weird things happen um i'm trying to get some content okay so it's it's just below Zombieland double tap there's a couple <laughs> places above that couldn't be more um, different from that movie but yes i, no, I understand what it, you're saying. It, exactly so it's you know it's right around there uh yeah it's in a really weird spot and this is one that as i looked into how it had been ranked and rated on letterboxd and imdb i think it shows a clear split in the audiences for those two uh, platforms. Okay. So, for example, uh, over on uh, Letterbox, it's got an overall weighted average of three point four, mm -hmm. based on about twenty six thousand reviews. That seems like over high at, for this movie. That seems like right. more reviews than I would have guessed. Right. Well, over at IMDb, it has a rating of six point four, based on nine thousand three hundred votes. That, okay. So there so, you go. There's your difference so, in audiences. There. So, so it's you know whether it's IMDb appeals to the more mainstream. Yes. If Letterboxd is more international and art focused, yes. I don't know. But I typically that seemed like a really strong difference between that. Because if anything, usually IMDb is going to have more ratings on it. Right. But they still put it right, you know, 3.4, 6.4, right around the same yeah. place of that sort of slightly, you know, higher than middle, middle ground. I'm right validating now. your judgments so, about both those platforms. Yeah. I think you are accurate <laughs> in both those points. And I think this, this is the first time or the first time I've noticed that it bears it out in a really sort of strong way yeah. about the different people yeah. that are uh, frequenting both sites. So listeners, if you think that this is your kind of film and don't want anything spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and go check out The Souvenir on Amazon Prime, Canopy, or Hoopla. All right. Okay. JJ. Yes. Let's 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 dig into the souvenir. Do we even want to start with why is it called the souvenir? Well, and okay, you said you like the music. I felt the eighties music, the early eighties. Yeah, but they you know, were. The, it, yeah. it didn't seem to connect with all. So this is why I do no. it after the title. They didn't okay. seem to connect at all with what was happening in the story, and and mm -hmm. at sometimes they even felt jarring, depending on the yeah. sort of drama that was happening with what was there. Oh, yeah. And again, maybe it's the autobiographical context, whatever. But so the souvenir, the song, it sounded like a little bit of sort of French jazzish kind of thing. I don't know, yeah. but um, it's played twice, and it. I mean, it really, I feel like that the music cue was the only thing that really keyed me in to the, the aspect of what the title was. Well, the, it's the title of the artwork that they go see at the museum of the woman carving mm, the name in the tree. So that's the too. initials okay. in the tree. So yet, then there's that. yet another touchstone still, that has nothing to do with what's in the film. <laughs> right. Because, okay, they go visit that and they're, she, oh, she looks kind of sad. Oh, I think she looks determined. And it's like, oh, she's definitely in love. Is this, type, are they talking about their relationship? I don't know. Yes. Is this what what connection does Julie have? Again, it's not clear right. at all. Of is this, you know, is is she, you know, reflecting on loss? I I don't know. There's so much but, metaphor and yeah, meta yes. in this film yes. that it gets really yes. interpretive to whatever you feel yes. is the right thing. I mean, you could right. go into Julie's story for the film that she's right. pitching um, to shoot and this sort of concept of a town that is in ruins and then apply right. that story to the relationship or to her partner, to Anthony, to all these things. There's so many different interpretations you could pull from all of the different, um, you know, whether it's metaphor or whether it's meant to be cues mm -hmm. for the way we think about what's happening in Julie's life. It, it There's so many times that you 
you as a viewer could latch onto something like that. And the souvenir, I guess, is kind of that thing too. Um, but again, the literal definition of souvenir, do you have an interpretation for that? I don't. No, okay. I, I don't. Good. And that's, you know, I, that's, don't I so wasn't bad. thinking about that. No, again, you're right. There are so many pieces that, I guess, because it's vague yeah. and it's left to interpretation. Because, I yeah, by the time I got to the end of the movie, I was reflecting on, oh, the at the beginning of the film, Julie's got her project of this, you know, the, the main character and the mother and the dying town. And then at the end of the film, he loses his mother. And it's, you know, all of these things. So I thought, oh, okay. Is that fabricated so that we see, you know, Julie's interest in something that is so different from her own life? She comes from money and she's, you know, writing about this, you know, town that's, you know, that's dying, you know, all of that. And so she's interested in something that's so different from herself. But by the time we get to the end of the film, she's she's seen that that darkness, that rot that, you know, that's become part of her life now. So is there no longer the need for her to tell that story? Because there is a little bit of a. There's a small scene with her and one of the professors at the film school talking about, you know, things that have changed. But again, I can't say, yes, I'm certain 100 percent because this is how I can connect those dots. Well, and isn't that I the don't... scene where he tells her that she needs to uh, describe or place in the film the changes that have occurred to her in her life? Yes. As a, that, that's right. how to make really good art. And then that becomes the right. meta statement of that's what Joanna is doing. In making this right. film in the first place, which is, I mean, I, I get it, but it, it just feels like so on the nose to me that I'm like, I don't need yes. that scene. <laughs> yes. So no, I agree. There, there's that. It feels there's... a little bit like girlhood, right? And yes. making the point yeah. about true, true. from boyhood right. is that like from we're looking ahead. at everything that she was right. told as she's conceptualizing this film. True. Yeah. That's. I mean, that that's the other piece to this is looking at. Okay, if I step aside and say, okay, if I just look at this as the story of Julie and Anthony, and I just say, okay, I separate and say, okay, let me put all artfulness aside and say, okay, let me just look at this story. I really struggle with this because there are so many points where I'm thinking, what is the draw? What is the appeal? Because there's there's not the meat cute that you get in a rom-com or anything like that. It's like, where do you fall in love with the relationship so that when it gets to the dark side, you can see... Why is she still fighting for this relationship? Because he just shows up at a party, you know, he's, you know, renting a room from one of her friends or something. So they just sort of, you know, have a have a conversation. And by the, so by the time it gets to the point where they're in bed together and she sees the marks on his arm and she's like, oh, did you hurt yourself? He's like, oh, I don't know what happened. She's like, that looks like it really hurts. I'm thinking, do you not know what needle marks are? OK, maybe you don't, but. You should, and you need to get out of there. And if that's not enough, then we get the follow the scene that follows right after that is the dinner scene where it's set up as, oh, this is one of Anthony's friends that's graduated from film school. He can provide some connections and advice to Julie. I thought, okay, this will be interesting to see what Julie learns. Anthony leaves and then immediately is like, so habitual heroin user and you, how does this <laughs> work? And she is like Floored. clueless. Yeah. And I thought, Okay, that's it. Done. That should be the big red flag of like, right. cut it with Anthony, right? If one of his friends is like habitual heroin user, knows and and says that I don't see how you two belong together. I don't see this connection at all. Should be a big sign. And so I really struggled with this relationship. Well, I want to read why, to you the synopsis. Why does she do this? I want to read you okay. the synopsis from um, from uh, Just Watch, which is where I went to find it, because okay. it, I completely agree with you. Let me just start by saying that, because it says, a shy but ambitious film student falls into an intense, emotionally fraught relationship with a charismatic but untrustworthy older man. First of all, he has no charisma at all. I mean, he is not. What he's mysterious, I, enigmatic. That would be great. Enigmatic, Describe him sure, as that, yeah. but charismatic. Yeah. What? There's no yeah. how. What? I mean, no. maybe that's maybe that's English charisma, and that's why we don't maybe. get it. But uh, I mean, I didn't see them fall in love either. Um, but they were deeply in love, evidently. I mean, her <laughs> her she seemed like she was addicted to him to some degree too, and yes. that she took him back in so with so many very highly negative negative stories, <laughs> negative crises that happened between them. Yes. So, yeah. Well, the the lies, so many uh, lies, because at first it's gross. the, he's, 
set up as this, you know, sort of mysterious. I've got this job with the whatever the foreign office. So he's in international affairs of some sorts. There's things that he can't talk about. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Older man with a mysterious history and a job that he can't talk about. Okay, I could see maybe the appeal of that. But then it becomes so clear when she's driving him to like his heroin pickups. And he's like, no, no, this is for the work. And I'm like, no, it is not. There's no part of I need to go buy drugs or I have to be at this where these drug deals happen. That's part of my job. Or when he steal, he robs her apartment and says, if I didn't do this, I wouldn't be here right now. This is, you know, it's I can't explain why. And I I'm thinking because you either owed somebody a lot of money or needed more drugs. They were going to kill you or you needed more drugs. Yeah. And I thought. After that Venice trip and he reveals that he's the one that, you know, ransacked the apartment and took everything and sold it for money. I Like, why are you still with this guy? He's conti- I just that's the part I really, really struggled with. And so then I thought, OK, by the time I get further into it, is this is this metaphor? Is this, you know, again, going back to her initial story of. This is really a story of a woman that's that's now confronting the 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 other side of life that she is intrigued by because it's so different from her own life. And is that the, is that the draw? I, but it's not clear. I like that idea. Right? I mean, I almost yeah. think that, you know, I mean, what's not on screen is them falling in love and we, we've established that. So maybe the point that Joanna's trying to make here is that there was no reason for her to care so much about this person. There was yeah. something about their bond or something about her as a character since we're going to see a sequel there's something about julie the julie character that needed that experience um and so she was bound to it in a way that was too so super unhealthy so i don't i mean but we never see them fall in love and their love is completely confusing to anyone who's watching the film for sure well, there's and there's just confusing sequences as well, because there's the 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 sequence where she wakes up in the morning and there's like the little um, trail of notes right. going up the stairs yes. and she goes, she follows them. I'm like, OK, where's this taking her? She goes up the stairs into the upper you know floor up there and across to the window. And as soon as she gets to the window, there's like an explode, huge right. explosion right. down the street. And I thought. What? <laughs> did he did he know this was going to happen? And I'm like, is this his is this his dark, you know, political side of he knew that there was going to be a bomb going off oh, from the IRA or something that's generous, there? Steve. Like, that's generous. No, I I know. Okay. I know because I'm like trying to make sense of it. I'm I'm struggling, like, why I don't know what the purpose of the notes were. I thought, oh, it's a cute thing. It's gonna be like he's made her breakfast or something, right. you know. He's trying to redeem the No, no, no. It's just to the window. And then there's this explosion. And I thought, okay. And then we cut to she's at the you know, they're at the place where he's getting his drugs and we hear the story on the news of like, oh, there was a bomb that went off. And so we we get the information secondhand through the news that she's listening to, but she's there, you know, taking him to to score. And I've we we get no explanation, no understanding, no reference to what that sequence did to her for her because it, her behavior hasn't changed. So I don't I don't even know why that was there. And it gets me back to as we've discussed in other, you know, films of, well, it's there because it's a personal film and it's something that happened. Right. And that's, that's, I'm like, I don't, I can't reconcile that. It, it's not even a, one of those, like, I could say visually beautiful moments where I could say, oh, it's, she's recapturing something and it it may not make sense, but at least I've got a visual treat to endure here. Well, that's and why, I don't even have that. That's why I mentioned in the intro, I said that there's non sequitur cutaways because there are yeah. some, there are multiple times where we're shown things that, to to the viewer it, there is literally no through line or you know or sort of connecting thread to what's happening there's a reason that they choose to show it to us but it's completely there's no way for us to understand what that is um and and that the the example that you just gave the notes to the bomb it, right it, right it could be any number of things so if if you want right. to interpret it as his job or if you want to interpret it as his something from his addiction or something artful that we don't even can't even jump to that it's fine but there's many of those and some of them are shorter and even more random than what we get from that because at least that seems like something that's uh some sort of cute aspect of their relationship or something right the stuffed animals all around the house i i, I don't know i, I again it, it's generous of us for you to even go that way yeah. but um but the film is loaded with those types of moments that seem generally out of place because we didn't live the life that joanna led Yes. And 
there there are other scenes that maybe you go a little long, but I feel it's that sort of like realism of I'm going to capture the scene of just everyday life. Because there's the one that struck me at first was they're in the apartment and I, and I did appreciate the way it was framed because she's sort of like in the, the main room and he's over in the kitchen and the, the doorway sort of splits the frame and the opera is on and he's cooking dinner and then she's like rummaging around her cassette tapes to find something then eventually gets to, you know, finds what she wants, puts on it's some early 80s, you know, pop, punk, you know, rock or whatever. So it's a sharp contrast from who she is and her her world and what she wants to listen to versus Anthony and his, because he's always got the opera right. going on. That, always but classical that, in some way. Always the classical. And that was one thing that for me sort of set that up of they're from two different worlds. And I thought, okay, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? Because he's just cooking dinner. She's rummaging around. I'm like, I, what am I? And so I thought, okay, there's at least something that I can, I can get. But there are other, other moments where it's just them you know, five seconds of in, getting ready for the day. Yes, you know, exactly. Five seconds things, of things like that. Post dinner malaise. Yeah, I mean, the, yes. it's it's very yeah. confusing and very. This is the space yeah. that we were talking about. You know, that's it's it, it, it. You could say that it's very realistic too. That maybe this yes. is very yeah. lived in. That this is the way that yes. the, that it was experienced. But it it's it's it feels like a chore. It felt like a chore for me to watch. Yeah, it, all of that for sure. So what what redeemed it for me? Mm-hmm. Then, if we we have all of this mess, and I'm trying to think if there's anything throughout that we, I mean, I, I think we can talk about Tilda Swinton's performance as oh, her mother. I think that you know, you know, was was amazing of the the parent who will do everything for her daughter, will ask questions but not really confront her. Right. You know, we do see there's there's several calls because Anthony has no money or he's always just leaning on Julie for money, so she's paying for dinner. So we get the you know, recurring, he, you know, he mom, writes, can I borrow he, some more money? I'll pay you back. He bought the first dinner. He bought yes, the, first, he dinner, the first dinner and everything else in the film is paid for by Julie. Right, right. But we see that all those conversations of mom, it's just, I'll pay you back. I need some more money. It's for, it's for you know, it's for camera and film and, you know, the cost of, of doing this. And so it's that, you know, okay. And we never get the questions of, you know, because Anthony comes to dinner with the family and things seem to go fairly smooth you've got a little bit of the political tension of different generations yeah. of you know how how should we handle this situation but that seemed normal that's what i would expect and right. so i i was really intrigued with since we're getting into an addiction story at what point do the parents figure things out and we don't really we don't get that scene because we do eventually see that you know a- anthony is you know he's He's had some ups and downs. He's had some rough spots. So, so Julie's mom moves in with her, and that's where we get, you know, the the scene near the end where uh, Barbara, you know, Anthony's mom calls, and we get that scene where, you know, mom answers the phone, comes down the stairs, and it, to me, it was a great line. She just says, "The worst." Right. That's all she like, says. You know, and yeah. then, that's all she says. And I, no, but it's clear she's, you know, there have been conversations. There's been things going on that. Okay, everybody understands that Anthony has this addiction problem because he went to rehab. He tried to clean himself up. Right. He went through all of that. Um, but we don't have those. We don't have those tense moments. We don't have the confrontation of the parent saying to the daughter, "You know, what are you doing with this guy? He's, you know, he's, you know, not worth it, and he's an addict and all that." We don't have all that heightened drama, uh, which for me makes it a a challenge because I think that flattens, as you said, it it does. It's a very flat film. Yeah. I think that flattens the tone of the film out. But I think, you know, to see those, you know, when you get those other characters, somebody like Tilda Swinton to deliver, you know, the the explanation of, you know, the matter of fact. Well, she was amazing in this film. I mean, yeah. th- that explanation and then, yeah, the, the, the moment thereafter where she's looking directly into the camera and gives this sort of, you know, the journalistic uh, report of mm-hmm. what happened and how he was found and the emotions right. that her character goes through as mm-hmm. she does it. I, I was just, sh- I mean, she stole the movie in those moments, even though there was so much else going on. I'm just like, oh, yes, here yeah. comes, you know. This is this is a masterclass on how to deliver this emotion. But um, yeah, she was wonderful. I, I loved everything she did in it. She was perfect. So I guess we should talk about the connection a little bit. I hadn't sure. intended to get there, but so we've got a couple things going on here. So Julie, uh, Honor Swinton Byrne is Tilda Swinton's daughter. Right. So we've got that that so cast mom and daughter is mom and daughter. Do that. 
uh, but actually Tilda Swinton and Joanna Hogg uh, went to school together and have known oh, each other really? since since college. So wow, they you know when Joanna Hogg was first in film school shooting things that Tilda Swinton they were friends, so they have a long history. Yeah, going back. So there there is you know there's real emotion there, see th- especially if this is autobiographical. Th- yeah, exactly what I was thinking of. Somebody that if this is a very personal story, somebody that's been a part of her life for so long is going to understand these moments in this film, be able to deliver with, you know, an an actor of Tilda Swinton's caliber is able to deliver that, knowing what this means, what the scene means, the weight that this carries, the emotions brings that to this. And I think that worked, you know, very well. And I have to say, you know, as Julie Honor Swinton Byrne, this is her first performance uh, in a film. She was actually picked because Joanna was visiting Tilda talking about casting and just on a whim was like well wait a second let's let's try her and the structure that they used was that uh from from what i read was they gave honor swinton burn all of joanna Hogg's like diaries journals from that era in the 80s awesome and not and not a script but everybody else had script so it was basically somewhat improvised in terms of other actors in a scene would know where things need to go Right. And had headlines and had, you know, had direction to get there. And Honor, you know, as Julie is having to embody this character and react to what's going on based on sort of the the DNA she's been given of this character that she's playing. I think in, so, a, as an artistic choice from the writer director, I think that's really interesting yeah. because it's especially if it's autobiographical, she must have felt that way. She must have felt like everything oh, yeah. around her was leading her and she didn't know. Right. She didn't yes. know how to direct her life at the time. And that's why she's left uh, or she's created this environment for the actress to, to do too. I think that's really interesting. It really interesting filmmaking. Um, it, well, it, exactly. It, Cause if I hadn't read that, I would have never known. Right. And there's yeah. nothing that, that feels contrived or awkward or, you know, for somebody that's a first time, like being able to carry scenes with the emotional weight that's going on. I mean, this is, you know, a lot to ask of a, you know, first time, you know, actor. Uh, and I, so I have to credit that. I think the performances, everything worked really well. I think it, it comes back to the story of right. what we're given, the scenes that we're given, all of those pieces, which leads me to sort of the end of the final moments where things come together, because I, I went back and sort of skimmed through sort of as a refresh. I watched this, you know, over the weekend. And now, you know, here, you know, a few days later, I just wanted a refresh of like, because like you, there are moments where you can sort of glaze over like what, what, you know, so I wanted to refresh what happened in what order, you know, so I could place things as we talked about it. And we get those segments that stood out to me. And these may be some of these non sequitur moments you're talking about where we get shot of a landscape and like Julie reading a letter from Anthony. That's what that was, was a letter? It felt like a poem to me. I I, I, I had a tough time figuring out context of it, but that makes sense. Right, because it's not introduced at all. Uh, but as I as I skimmed through, I was like, okay, I remember these. But then I started looking at the landscape because I'm like, okay, this is similar. And then when we get to the end of the film, mm-hmm. so the very final shot is they're they're out in you know filming her student film or whatever. And at the end, they're in a big like hangar, and the door rolls open, and Julie walks out to the edge of the door and looks out. That's the scenery. Yeah right there that she's looking at that we've seen in those moments where she's so i'm trying to piece together are these moments that we get throughout her thoughts her reflections from the end julie from from the end julie that it's sort of like memories pre-inserted all that because i i was honestly i was surprised the film ended there because i thought for two seconds i thought it was going to end whatever 30 seconds earlier because we've got that shot where they're shooting their scene mm-hmm. and the, the camera slowly pushes in and it is her, it's the, the actress of the film reading a, a poem. I looked it up because it sounded really familiar to me. It's when I am dead, my dearest by Christina Rossetti. Mm. And so as she's reading that and finishes that the crew has moved forward enough so that we're just left with Julie on the side of the frame. And then she looks to the camera. So and with this, she I didn't feel like she looked directly into the camera. I felt like she was looking just off and to the right. But I, it was tough. Like, I was like, is she looking yeah. at me? I couldn't tell. So for me, it was 
it was at you. I'm looking, yes. I'm looking at, I'm looking at you and the expression on our face. I'm not sure how to interpret it. It's the almost like a challenge of, are you judging me sure. for, for what I, for what I did? You know, right. it, it is, it's, and I thought for sure, I saw that and I was like, wow, movie's going to end. And then it didn't. And then it, she walks out to look at that. And I thought, okay, that's an interesting way to end it. And then I, you know, thinking, oh, well, there's a sequel. Is it going to pick up here? You know, is what, what, you know, is that her moving into the next phase of her life? Because the door she's finished her film. Yeah. The door has opened. She's moving out into the next phase of her life. I love that idea. I won't, I won't know till I see the next one, but it was, it was the culmination of those, those moments earlier, seeing her finish her film, just the powerful way that was shot. It worked so well for me of this, this really great poem that's about loss and death and mourning and Julie, you know, confronting the audience with that look. To me, that tied everything up. And I thought, okay, this was in the last few minutes, we get powerful culmination of what she has gone through. And for me, that's where I, I felt it earned that in a way that I'm willing to probably forgive a lot of the other things beforehand because it was processed to get me to that result. And that's why I end up at a, a 3.5 because I, I honestly, halfway through, I was like, yeah, this is two stars. I don't know where this that's is going. That's where I was. So many, I'd heard so many great things. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand this relationship. I'm not rooting for anybody in this relationship. She's making horrible choices. Yeah. We're not getting the full story. What's going on? And then by the time we got to the end, I thought, ah, okay, this works somehow. I can't put my finger on it, but thematically, metaphorically or whatever, I feel like she's gone on a journey. She has transformed herself into something by going through this process. Like I said, I respect it more than breaking news in Yuba County, but, um, <laughs> but it, uh, it never caught, it never brought me back to where it did for you. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's where I ended, uh, ended with this one. And it's not, everybody's going to take that, that journey. Right. Um, with us and all of that. And I think that's probably really all there is to say about, <laughs> About the souvenir. I mean, it's it's for some people. It's, there's not a lot. And I mean, if I will say if anyone's listening to this podcast and you have a different reaction to this movie, you're able to, to key into some of this information because I feel like, you know, there's something more to be said. I, JJ, I think you hinted at that, too, of like it feels like there's there's something we, we we're not able to access. Yeah, it, I think. And, you know, right? we talked about we talked about in the intro that, you know, maybe it's for someone who has been touched by addiction or that kind of stuff. But I think even better if people are into this sort of art house, if they're into the Sundance to con run, right, this idea, those sort of films where they want to see the high art of the things, I think you'll appreciate this film and the drama will hit you in a way that. It, it, somewhat where I need a little bit more handholding than than this film was willing to give. So if you are looking for film in high art, this would be a nice one to try. And then for you to come back and tell us why we're idiots about it, because I, that it, it made me feel dumb. It made me feel like the the movie was too smart for me. And uh, and and that's definitely possible in in the realm of these films. Uh, so the fact that you heard a lot of great things about it, Steve, I think is is more evidence about that as well. There are a number of people in our audience in our community that might enjoy taking a look at this as high art compared to a lot of the things that we cover here on trailer rewind or on right. any of our other shows as well right and i this is one that if it was more my genre i might be willing to put in that work of a couple more viewings to see how things may may connect because i feel like this is something that perhaps i'm rewatched seeing the context of a scene knowing some things is that what it takes you know to see these things or is there something in you know anthony's letters that she's reading how can i you know how much work do you need to put into this? And it's it's not one that I'm I'm willing to put that work in because I, I, I just did not find that the content that engaged you. But if there is someone that is that is that interested and does that work, I'd love to hear from you what, because I feel like there is artfulness to this. This is not an amateur filmmaker. This is very intentional. Uh, the question just is, is it accessible? Yeah. And so and are, are you willing to of, put in that work as a viewer? Right. Yep. Exactly. Well, that's, you know, what we have to say about the souvenir uh, for coming up next. JJ, we're moving to something that 
hopefully will be more accessible, but I don't know that it's going to be any more uplifting. That's okay. For us That's okay. On this one, uh, coming up next, we are going to be talking about the Book of Henry, which is available to stream on Netflix, and we are going to be joined by our frequent guest Tommy Hansen for that one. So it'll be good to have Tommy on board to talk about the Book of Henry. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please join us on Discord or become a Patreon supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.